Hello, Heron. You could reboot that fast? Yes. Welcome to my new computer. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, yeah. Which, which one is this now? Uh, 1011, I think. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what operating system I'm running. No, no, I mean, I mean, which computer? If you got that... It's a new one that I purchased that I had a whole lot of problems with, and I took it in, and then they fixed yeah. it. So. And now it seems to be working that well. That seems to be I mean, working okay. And the audio yeah. quality seems much improved. It is indeed. So, so one for, of us uh, had a problem. For the benefit <laughs> of both. our listeners, for the benefit of our listeners, Aaron and I started a recording, which was so unbelievably horrible, we both decided that we needed it to It even quit. bothered me. And yeah. you know it's got to be bad. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. So, Aaron had posed a question to me associated with, well, I read it in a particular perspective, so why don't you ask the question to me again, Aaron? Well, this, okay, it's come up again. For the past couple of weeks, I've been thinking again about the origins of the language machine in a navigation system that all moving living animals have to have. If they have voluntary, I mean, if they drift with the tides, they don't need a navigation system. But if they are self-moving, then they need to know where they are, where they're going, what's, you know, and all that shit, you know. And it starts with single-celled animals, which are sensitive to light and various chemicals to decide which way it's going to move. And all the way up to monkeys, which have quite complex social and physical environments. Um, and and it, it strikes me anyway, my theory is that, that this is the origin of our languaging. Mm-hmm. And, and be, because it, it provides everything we, that language needs, basically a labeling function. Mm-hmm. In the, in the beginning, you need to know, well, there's that big ra- high outcrop of rocks over there, and there's a river right next to it, and I can always go over there and get some water, you know, mm-hmm. that shit. Being able to locate that stuff, but of course, that means you have to have labels for it. Certainly. <laughs> for it to be useful. Certainly. And that this is the origin, anyway, of language. So then mm-hmm. I start thinking, how, how do you, in Noble Ape, deal with navigation and and to what level, you know, how abstract does the navigation get, you know? And, yeah, I, at this point, I, in desperation to try and improve the audio as well, also went fleeing looking for a particular book, but I realized actually that the answer was online. In fact, this is contained with every version of the Noble Ape simulation that's downloaded. It's a little thing called Noble Ape Philosophic. I think we've talked about this previously, but I'll go through yeah. it again. So, Nobelite has an idea of an internal simulation and an external simulation. Well, this, and you must tell me the difference between those two. Well, one exists in a landscape environment with actual biological simulation that, you know, exists, and the Nobelites wander over it, and they have various senses like vision and hearing and things like that. But they also have an internal simulation that they create, which initially was a relatively simple internal simulation, which just involved... A- Where does that come from, though? Does that come from the external s- simulation well, or s- okay, independent? So, well, it could be independent, but actually most of the information is fed from the external simulation. So what you need to think of is almost like a, a needle on a record or something like that. As the apes move around, mm-hmm. they have various external stimuli that imply to their internal simulation. And what happens through this is that they develop their own idea of space and time through their movements, which may not necessarily map onto the real world. The thing that I wanted to get initially... You mean the external simulation? Well... The phenomena I wanted to get initially, which I've experienced myself and maybe others that have listened to this podcast might understand as well, 
is the idea that when you travel routes that are familiar to you, or when you travel routes frequently, the distances on these routes will appear closer together, where if you were to draw a map without any other help, you will find that the routes that you travel frequently are closer together in the map that you draw than unknown or rarely charted routes. This is quite an interesting circumstance. You're going to have to say that again because I really okay. lost it, that. This is relatively abstract now because we live in a world of you know, Google and Apple Maps and yeah. devices that chart our territories. But imagine, for those of us, for our listeners that are under the age of about 20, this might be impossible to imagine, but consider a time, a simpler time, where you walked routes or even you drove routes, but you didn't have a map necessarily in front of you. You just became familiar with these routes and then through moving through these routes, they had a spatial dimensionality to oh, them. Yeah. Which was associated with your familiarity. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, I got you. Now, that, that much, I, that's easy to follow. Yes, because I remember those times well. Yes, the distances. <laughs> but I always had a map in the car. Well, this though. is where it gets interesting. So, <laughs> if people in a world where, without Google and Apple Maps and iOS devices and Android devices and all this stuff, if they were to draw these maps, which is really a phenomenon which probably can't even be used anymore in polite society, but once they were asked to draw these maps, yeah, the yeah. distances in the maps that were familiar to them were closer together in their perception than distances that they were unfamiliar no, that, to. That's yeah, sort of not well. It's not unreasonable. Anyway. So the phenomenon <laughs> that I thought here is that the areas that are travelled through are sense compressed in some regard. Okay. Oh yeah. Right. Well, but that's all they have anyway. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's it. That is their world, whatever. So the document that I pasted basically outlines this through talking firstly about what an internal simulation is and secondly what an external simulation is, then what is space externally and what is space internally, and then what is time externally and what is time internally associated with these you know, various concepts. I then talk a little bit about vision, and then I talk about the notion of identity, and identity here is a unique concept because it represents kind of the ape's view of the environment. It's very difficult to describe. And then the notion of fear, which were the two underlying reactive things in the original cognitive simulation, the notion of fear, which represented like an emotion that of just escaping from circumstances yeah, that were unknown. not wanting to be exactly. here now. <laughs> and desire, which was a notion of um, the kind of familiarity, a bit like the well-traveled path, but the view that, you know, there would be things in the future and the whole notion of kind of the construction of time, which is so very difficult to describe to, you know, to people. Or time consider. is tricky stuff, exactly. man. That's a very tricky concept when you start looking at it very carefully. So the document that I'm referring to here is at noble8.com slash man slash philosophic.html, or you can just go to noble8.com slash man and click on the noble philosophic document. I then talk about the resolution of the identity, which is just how you actually construct this simulated identity um, with these elements of fear and desire. And then I start talking about your favourite topic, which is language. And I describe it as, in the simulation, this document was written in 1997, for folks listening in. Language in the simulation is defined as any means of communicating by two or more noble apes where identity information is expressed. The need not be deep or meaningful, but it allows some linking between identities, i.e. 
you have these individual things in the simulation that are scoping out distances and this kind of stuff. But when they get together to communicate, as you were talking about, Heron, they are communicating navigation information, which also is more than just standard, you know, the bananas are over yeah. there or things like that. It's actually slightly more deep than that. Well, I'm still stuck on this idea that we're sort of associating language with two people instead of one, because I think it's it, it existed internally oh, before it I'm became... I'm not arguing that. Oh, okay, all right. Bob Mottram, okay. Bob Mottram went on to do this beautifully by constructing internal simulations based purely out of language where the various actors were based in language and communicated solely through yeah, the certain space. patterns of behavior like any other goddamn thing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not interested, but thank you for calling. Mm-hmm. Well, what a nice guy. I thought maybe it was the burglar, you know, wondering when you're, you're going to be out of the house. Yeah, believe me. Believe me. <laughs> you know, At least I haven't it was got a all night to wait out here. Are, are, are you leaving or not? Yeah. <laughs> They smoke so many cigarettes outside our house. It's ridiculous. Anyway, <laughs> continuing on. So from the idea of language here, I then described the notion of society. And really the whole, the whole background to why I started developing no play was to explore deeper, like, like not even touched upon by science or even social science associated with the constructions of societies, particular curious societies based on environments and how we can have the diversity of societies that we see, or at least we saw 50 years ago. I mean, obviously, the World Wide Web has made us all considerably more homogenous. But um, you, wait a minute, you're suggesting, uh, well, not suggesting, because it seems pretty clear to me that we're headed to a kind of unified global tech culture. Yes, but, uh, you know, back in the day, 50 years ago, 100 uh-huh. years ago, there were still unique societies. Oh, yeah, yeah, the world. Little, well, there still yeah, are, yes. but, but they're going fast. <laughs> yes. So, anyway, this is uh, Noble Ape Philosophic. It was written by me on June 27th, 1997. What, uh, however many years ago now? 19 years ago, roughly, a little bit more. Um, and this outlines exactly the question you ask associated with Noble Ape. Well, it may to your satisfaction. <laughs> Well, you need to read it and then get back to it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was just curious. Like I say, this has been on my mind recently, and I was just, you know, trying to figure out how how you'd embody. I mean, starting from where I am, I'm thinking, how would I do what you've done, but starting from scratch? Well, 1997 Noble 8 was a very different simulation to the way it is now, and I think this was really a document to try and chart a course and explain certain ideas yeah. against a group of people that really had absolutely no interest in anything that I was doing. <laughs> yeah. so, well, see, I don't really give a shit about that. I just want to, I would like to see an embodiment somehow mm. of some ideas about language mm. in some sort of simulation. Well, my perspective is, and this is what the document talks about, that language is actually you need to have a series of simulation primaries before you get to language. Like, you need to have far more, like, primitive core elements to the simulation before you can get to language. You can't start with language as an abstract because there are so many definitions that lead up to language and so many definitions that lead from language. Well, you can start anywhere, can't you? Why can't you start any place and then fill in, you know, do what you have to do to make it work? yes. Well, that that (laughs) indicates... You're just taking it from a different perspective. You're starting in the middle and yeah. working. Well, know, but that may, might be significant. Though. All I know is I'm interested in this idea, mm. and and I'm trying to. I from what I hear from you, I don't think Noble Ape. I don't think it 
would be to my advantage for what I'm trying to do to learn Noble Ape. I might be wrong. Would you argue that I that if I learned Noble Ape that I could actually get where I want to go with that? You've been talking for six years, Heron. I've encouraged you. I don't think learn is the right word. Well, it's, yeah, it's going to be... You to, to, and I've passed you academic writing and now I'm passing yeah. you other writing yeah. just to indicate that maybe... It would be interesting. I mean, you know, there are, I could count on less than one hand associated with the number of folk that have explored Noble Ape to a certain degree of detail, but it's always yeah. nice to have discussions with folks that yeah. have. So, I mean, yeah. I've, I'm of an age now where I don't think I can convince anyone to do anything. And well, of course not. Is, no, I'm just asking. Um, if you're I'm just interested, trying to make up my mind if about. If you're interested, the document's yeah. there. And yeah. true. You could quibble over small parts of it. I put to you that this was written nearly 20 years ago by me. Yeah, yeah. And from that time, the simulation has changed quite dramatically. But even even with these core principles, even having written these things down and developed software around these notions, yeah. there needs to be some degree, some tiny minutia of existential respect through this thing, Heron. And my my feeling is... Mm-hmm. If you have an interest, you'll have an interest. You'll do something. We'll have a conversation about yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, okay. But I've invested bits of time, not lots of time, but bits of time, encouraging you to have a look at this. Not with no, I know you have, and I have looked at it, and I, I quickly came to the decision each time that, you know, I couldn't see, I, yeah, I couldn't see how I was going to benefit from it. So, you know, that was just my reaction at the time. Who knows how I'll react in the future if I choose to go take another look at it. I, I guess my perspective is when <clears throat> doesn't have to happen instantly and certainly over time these memories fade but to give a critical reasoning of why something will not work for something that I am looking to use it for, yeah. I usually like to give a few concrete examples just to say if it was more like this, oh, yeah. then it would do that, yeah. or these kind yeah. of things. Yeah, I'm, I'm not, not even really sure what I want. See, this that's is the exactly whole thing. My point. Yes. You know, I'm. Uh, these ideas are still quite vague for me. Yes. And um, but I'm interested in sharpening them somewhat, mm. and I think from conversations we've had that that's that it is possible for me to sharpen these somehow. At least you're aware, which is such a unique and wonderful thing. That there is at least a human that has done this kind of work historically and that the body of work is there. And oh, yeah. That, that, I have to say, if, if a fraction of the population or many of the people that you read on a regular basis and quote back to me, if any of those people also came to this perception, I would feel significantly better yeah. about this body of work. Uh, I don't, yeah, I don't much give a shit, really. I, I feel an obligation to put some stuff into the world. I've already put some stuff into the world. I think I've influenced, well, like we've been through this before, you mm-hmm. have too. I, I've already influenced several people mm-hmm. profoundly. Mm-hmm. And um, shit, I can't complain about that. <laughs> That's awesome. Do you have another yeah. topic for this evening? Oh, um, no, I, not, I don't think so. Hmm. This wasn't a topic on my list, but I thought I had to add it because just before we got on the call this evening, my mother gave me a call, and she was just going out to vote, which in Australia is the most important thing you can do. <laughs> and Boy, that's not saying much. <laughs> damning with faint praise. There's going to be a theme this evening, ladies and gentlemen. Anyway. This is the high point of life, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
it was strikes me as strange the whole voting phenomenon. But uh, really, this leads us into talking about Brexit. <laughs> Because yeah. this is a topic that has been requested by our listeners. It really? was a topic that I thought we might even record a special on. Last, uh, oh, a last special week. on. Bre- yeah, that's right. We, and yeah, call up NBC and let them know it, it'll be available. Yeah. Yeah, yes. Yeah. There are so many levels to this thing that I think I don't even know where <laughs> to begin. I want to begin with levels. That's exactly where I want to begin. There's levels? A notion, there's a notion of layers of influence. There's a cliche which you've used occasionally associated with wings of butterflies starting tornadoes. But when you study physics and when you study like the effects of physics, you realize that there's good reason why there are various physical properties that are attributed to certain sized objects and they get smaller yeah. and smaller and smaller. Uh, yeah, and yeah, the, yeah. The reality yeah. is yeah. somewhat complex. Yeah. <laughs> and... The hysteria associated with Brexit, and I'm going to say oh, yeah. fairly on both sides. There was one side that was more hyster- hysterical than the other, but they were both pretty hysterical to the point of <laughs> really very curious. Yeah, let's hope it's all a big fizzle like the 2000, you know, bug. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, my perspective is looking at this thing. I don't talk about this frequently. But I've experienced some economic collapses in my life. I've experienced some well, circumstances yeah. where people just leave a place. Yeah, and I was talking yeah. to a spiritual advisor about this. What yeah. happened in Vegas in 2007 is the antithesis of what's happening in San Jose currently. And I really can't understand why a group of people decide to be homeless and a group of people decide to get in their vehicles and get the fuck out of Vegas. Like, the notion... well. It then degrades to notions of homeless services and a variety of other things. But let's talk about Vegas 2007. Vegas 2007 was the impact of an economic explosion that no one in the federal government in this country wanted to talk about. When we arrived in Vegas in 2005, I can't remember the statistics. It was somewhere between five and 10,000 people were arriving in Vegas every month. They were literally strapped to live their there. They're buying yeah. houses and, and well, renting apartments, renting apartments and, or whatever. They'd strap yeah. their possessions to their cars and they'd ride into Vegas, and hoping to get a job where in one of the casinos. I don't know honestly, but that's what they did. <laughs> we were part of this crew. I mean, it was very strange, particularly because there were very few tech jobs in Vegas. But I found myself heading into Vegas by two thousand seven, two thousand and eight. What was clearly a bubble, and we experienced that when we got there and tried to buy a house and saw literally collapsing shacks for $300,000. Anyway, we we hung on. We saw the people then who were originally arriving in droves, leaving in droves, and we lived in an apartment complex where they couldn't rent out the apartments anymore. Like, they went into public housing, and the public housing people left, and then the SWAT team started arriving, and then the crack smokers were outside the kitchen window. You know, you see this kind of economic collapse very rarely in your own lifetime. The fact that they left their pets behind indicates, I mean, even in Katrina, they didn't leave. They fought to keep their pets with them. Yeah. Yeah. They got out. So they just got the fuck out. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Like refugees. Really? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So having experienced that firsthand... The, well, how many refugees are there in Europe now? Uh, Jesus. 63 million last year displaced people. Gosh. A majority of them are actually in the Middle East and the areas that they... No, I know. Out. Yeah, you're right. Not just but Europe. Yes. That's, that's yeah. just getting the overflow. Yeah. But I mean, just the amount yeah. of people who have fled their home yeah. in terror yeah. is shocking. Million. It's just fucking shocking. Yeah. More than the population in the UK. Yep. 
it's um, <laughs> extraordinary that, uh, you know, people in Washington that like paying defence companies to bomb places yeah. are actually creating humanitarian disasters. Well, actually, and the other thing, my feeling about this is, is that instead of leaving, they, you know, it's your fucking country, you know, fuck them. You know, when it gets down to it, you lay your life on the line when it gets to this, you know, instead of leaving. What, you're talking about people becoming insurgents? Well, no, I don't know what I'm saying, actually. But what I'm saying is that the problem, what I'm trying to say is that Europe can't solve the problem by taking in people. That's not going to solve any. I mean, it's going to solve those particular people's problem, mm. but the, 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 it's, it's a systemic problem in the area that needs to be resolved in, in, in with a global community's involvement. I think the area that is creating these problems is, is pretty small. It's kind of in Maryland. I mean, yeah, it's not a, it's not a, yeah, you're right. It's, it's you know, these not fuckers. unimaginable. If the planet was united, we could solve this thing real fast. Yes. Well, <laughs> but that, that ain't going to happen for a while. No, I mean, it's astonishing the degradation. I mean, true, you know, Syria is a kind of self-fermenting. Well, there was a time also. everyone in Lebanon, you know, was yeah. a, a, you know, a wonderful place to go, yes. you know. The Paris of the. Yeah, you know. And Sarajevo, <laughs> a world class, yep. Clinton's, you know, art city, you know. Yeah. No, it's extraordinary, really, these circumstances. So, hold on. This guy, for some reason, Siri came on and started talking at me. Fuck. That's never happened before. I think Apparently, Sarajevo or something. Well, hey, so oh, maybe, Sarajevo, thought, maybe that. Ah, yeah. yeah, maybe that was it. Sarajevo. <laughs> Oh, man, it really – okay, anyway, so uh, that totally sidetracks me. <laughs> so I guess my perspective here is you're right. There are clearly global catastrophes that are occurring independently of individuals. But in these circumstances, my perspective is always getting the fuck out. I mean, I know yeah, on yeah. some moral level – yeah. You know, some philosophical view, staying and fighting and doing all this kind well, of stuff. Well, it depends on where your gut values are, mm. you know. If, if you want to stay and fight, you know, if you're not going to put up with it, that's the option. You stay and fight and give your life for it or you get the fuck out. Mm. You know, I mean, really, there isn't many, much else you can do. Yes. <laughs> you know, so, uh, but it, I don't see that it's my responsibility to take, all the refugees from this. I think it's a good thing to do, and it's a wonderful thing to do up to a point. But mm. I'm not really sure, you know, I mean, well, like I say, I, I think there is some room for that. But the issue needs to be solved on a much deeper level. Yeah, I guess I'm not, this has kind of taken the discussion associated with Brexit in quite a different direction. So, mm. Well, how much of a world do we live in? A global civilization yeah. do we live in? You know, it's clearly, well, that's part of what's going on is that's, the change that's that's being undertaken. The world is becoming global. Well, except it's not. I mean, this except is where it is. What do you mean? How can you say it's not? Because <laughs> because well, it's becoming global in terms of global refugee crises created by oh, and technology and language and uh, all sorts of things. Uh, you know, the, the the planet's more unified now than it's ever been. I mean, on what? Not that it's also more disunified than it's ever been. Mm. The old world is collapsing, and it's really, yeah, falling apart. Yeah. But uh, there are other systems that are uh, global that aren't even controversial or talked about much, like the internet. You know, certainly. But I guess the internet still 
in terms of the way it's presented to us, exists through local carriers and these kind of things. Well, I don't know enough about that technically, but but in any case, yeah. (laughs) Well, where are we going with this anyway? So the first point that I was trying to make here is that a lot of the information associated with migration in the Mm. UK yeah. Is completely off base. The migration has been. I mean, with respect to this Brexit thing, I mean, well, the, the, that, was the that was one of the arguments. That was one of the arguments. Yeah. The migration has not been great in the UK proportionally over the past 50, 60 years. I thought years. they had a pretty high um, Muslim population now, in London anyway, or in the well, South. I don't I mean, know. I, I, don't, I, I haven't really paid much attention to it. Well, that's what a certain part of the media would want to say. I mean, my perspective is yeah. there are three generations of folks that have come from, for a start, the debauchery that was Pakistan and the creation of Pakistan. <laughs> I mean, these people have been coming to the UK for the past 60-plus years, even yeah. prior to the EU. Yeah. And they've been coming to the UK sure. primarily because of the Commonwealth. Remember that? That existed yeah, prior to the EU. That's right? right. You're still paying for that. So... My perspective is the migration thing is kind of curious. And look, when you're in London, you know, you're mainly served, if you're a tourist, by folks from Eastern Europe. But the actual population, the actual increase in population that these folks have brought to the UK isn't particularly savage. This is one of the few... Well, my broader concern is what is the EU? Because I think a few people, in fact, it seems like a good portion of the UK population, did a politically independent evaluation of what the EU is in their particular spheres which is an interesting problem in and of itself. And my perspective, having lived in the UK, was that a lot of what the EU does that is positive, I just think is basically simple. The notion of passports and how passports are supposed to interact, and if you live next to another country, another country, another country, the ability to travel between these countries, that to me doesn't seem to be like, I mean, that should be just there, right? That's not a difficult concept. That's just a basic concept of moving <laughs> yeah. around. Well, that's go worldwide anyway. Fuck exactly. Europe. <laughs> that's exactly my point. And if this is a benefit of the EU, this should just be like a normal way that civilized countries yeah, behave yeah, when they right, coexist. Yeah. You're welcome to come. Well, I yeah. mean, there are probably some cases where you change that. But, mm. you know, generally speaking, yeah, that makes sense. Mm. And from my perspective, the more bureaucracy that is applied to me at any given time, does not actually make me safer. And moreover, it seems to be a perception of corruption more than anything. And I think <laughs> in the case of the EU, it has shown itself time and time again to be a distinctly corrupt entity. Yeah. And particularly also I, run Unlike by, other national systems. Funny enough, you know? <laughs> but yeah, it seems to be just more of the same in terms of... Yeah, like yeah general, it's just fucking uh, you know. yeah, homo sapiens politics still. Exactly. Yeah. So I guess, but at least it's at a larger level. What the fuck does that mean? That just well, means- because we do need to manage our behavior on the planet. We need to start thinking about that as planetary citizens. You know, but- this is clumsy effort. I'm sure. Oh, I don't know that much about it. I haven't really paid any attention to it. Very good. That's why I you're the ideal. Essentially, person. it's a good idea, though. That essentially we need. Some level, some way to get organized on a global level. But the whole purpose of starting the EU was associated with economics. It wasn't associated with environmentalism. No, no I'm sure it was. It was designed it was to be a large trading yeah. block that would have the yeah. economic power of the US. Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, well, I don't know. Well, I, I mean, I, that's the way I've it's behaved. Yeah. Well, I'm sure that's, yeah. yeah. That was one of the, maybe not the only thing, but certainly one of the prime yeah. <laughs> reasons for its existence. Yeah. yeah. And in terms of traveling around the UK, 
My experience of living in the UK and also travelling around recently is that a good portion of the UK has seen absolutely no economic advantage of the EU. And what's interesting here is that quickly after the Brexit vote, people pulled out statistics and surveys that showed that these underprivileged areas of the UK were actually getting substantial quantities of EU funds. What was even more curious, which is a very interesting mechanism, is that it was almost like the individuals living in these tired hamlets were getting handouts from the EU where nothing could be further from the truth. What was actually <laughs> happening was very similar to what happened to me in San Jose. $3 billion for my experience living in San Jose. Very underutilized services and something that just points to institutional corruption rather yeah. than, you know, actively putting this money into productive things. Yeah. yeah. So when it, when it comes to the Brexit vote, I have not talked about my own personal views yeah. here. I think I'm a little bit like Bob Mottram because, quite frankly... Voting to me just seems to be like the least productive way of dealing with. Well, it depends on the issue. I I'm probably going to register and vote because there's this marijuana legal thing. cannabis. Uh, yeah, yes. so uh, that is the only issue. The only no, issue. there are two out there, there. Well, if I'm if I get if I am going to go take the trouble to vote, I'll probably. I mean, I, I'm assuming it's Hillary or Don, you know, and so I mean almost anything, but. Trump. So. Yeah, I, I think Clinton's a war criminal. I think she's an evil war criminal. I, I don't give frankly, a shit what she is. She's not Donald Trump. I, I, she's not crazy. She's not fucking insane. Oh no, she's evil. Well, well I, I can deal is, with evil. She's you know well, she's smart enough to. Well, listen, you do what you want to do. Well, you don't, your opinion doesn't make any difference. So fuck land you. Cluster bombs. That's my <laughs> view. No, look, uh, my perspective is this is the quintessential election where. Not turning up and voting to delegitimize the circumstance. Yeah. Well, even not voting wouldn't make much difference because I'm pretty sure that. Uh, well, it'd be interesting to see. I just, I just can't imagine. If, like, if America elects Donald Trump, I, I think I, it may be time for me to leave. But you've done. I mean, you've done no reading about Clinton, right? You've just looked at the media reports associated. No, no, with I Trump. don't pay attention. No, I've, I've read some of the stuff. You've put some links up. I've seen. You know, I don't really give a shit. You know. She's well, a- you do. You give a shit enough to vote against someone, so why not give a shit enough to read about who you're voting for? Because I don't think it really makes that much difference. You know, except that in the case of Trump, I think he's more dangerous. She's within the status system as it already exists. Trump could just upset so many things that, you know, with consequences that nobody could fucking predict. That That's scary. That ain't going to happen with her. She'll just do the same conniving evil shit she always does, which is all well within the system. Mm. I'm not ready for the revolution and the collapse of civilization yet. Mm. You know, if it happens this week, I'm in big trouble. Mm. (laughs) So I'd like if if we had 10, even 20 more years before the end, you know, Mm. and I'm afraid that Trump would lead us much closer to that than she will. Yeah, I certainly think Trump is the apocalypse candidate. I'm not arguing with you there. Yeah. I just can't see this. I mean, my perspective, and I did this with my spiritual advisor, is do some independent research associated yeah. with Clinton. I mean, yeah. like, make your justification based on something. Yeah. No, I, no, I don't give a shit. It doesn't make any difference. I've done enough analysis. You know, I don't care how evil she is. She's not Donald Trump. Mm. <laughs> and that's good enough yeah. for me. Well, I guess... My perspective is, if you look at just on... I want to see the status quo more or less continue for a while. You know, I'm 
in the, I don't want the caterpillar to fall apart too quickly where I am. Mm. <laughs> you know, on its proper time, it will come down. But I'm in no hurry for that to happen because, uh, you know, I'm not ready. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's not that I'm ready. It's just that I think the establishment as it exists currently. Well, it's, it's, well, it's just the caterpillar. It's fallen apart. Its era is over. It's just well, a matter of time. I mean, time. when you look at the 63 million people that are displaced based on exactly the kind yeah. of evil that the Clintons have been doing for uh, two generations. Yeah. Just, it strikes me as kind of selfish that you want this kind of perpetuation to continue in these countries, although you've acknowledged that well, clearly it's the people's fault on some level for actually being there. But moving beyond that, I mean, it just strikes me as very strange that you would support either candidate. I'm not supporting either candidate. Well, you're voting for one. No, I didn't. No, I said I probably would. I don't. I haven't voted yet. Mm. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I probably if I if I do go and vote, which I probably will, then uh, probably I will vote for. Well, it depends on what the. If if it's so obvious that she's going to win and my vote's irrelevant, then I won't vote for her. Mm. But if I have any sense that, that there's any possibility that Trump could become president, then I will vote for her. Mm. It's very curious because I guess I also think of the prison industrial complex, which was created by her husband and she's profited from as yeah. well. Yeah. Well, I mean, these are really, sure I not- mean, look, Trump's a buffoon without question. No, he's more than the buffoon. Well, He's fucking I, dangerous. Man. I don't think Trump's created the prison industrial complex. I don't think Trump no, has created no, listen, circumstances. I don't even know why we're bothering talking. Twenty thousand people yet. die yeah. annually through the stuff that Clinton refused to sign off on because of her husband's legacy. I just can't. My view is that if you support one of these candidates, you need to have an ability to interact with people that are going to question your behaviour. If you're even contemplating voting for Clinton. <laughs> okay, well, that's your story. You're welcome to that story. Don't expect you. everybody else to play by your story. Clearly. <laughs> but when you're interacting with me, I'm going to give you my story. Yeah, I got it. So I guess the things that I want to conclude from Brexit for Stone Eight listeners that are interested is that firstly, the media is fundamentally broken here. What happened? <laughs> yeah, they love the drama of this whole thing. <laughs> what happened early on here was that the media institutions, let's call them what they are in the UK, decided what direction they were going. They picked their reality, quite literally, and they presented stories. Well, they say, which is going to sell? You know, who is their audience and what do they like? And yeah. Yeah, well, let's pick the reality. And even after the vote came in and the realities that were asserted by a certain group were seen not to be the case, which caused amazing psychological uproar in the people that had actually purchased these papers. (laughs) Then the media had the opportunity to say, no, wait, we were wrong. Sorry, we got this thing wrong. It was actually an accident that we kind of reported that things were going to go in a very different direction. Instead, they created even more hysteria associated with this insanity. Yes, but that's what media does. That's their job. My perspective is, well, this is beyond, this is post-Fox News. I mean, what? No, this is just plain old fucking capitalism. Well, it's all it is. Just how can you make a buck? There have been standards previously that have been well overcome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it is. Yeah, it's doing well, isn't it? (laughs) I mean, my perspective is potentially based on what we've seen with Brexit, we could have Trump as the next president. It's not impossible. That's why I like. I well, we'll see. You know, Uh, it looks like. 
he's just going downhill from well, what I've been. That, if you look at what happened in the UK, that's exactly what the media said in the UK associated with Brexit. They said, don't yeah. worry, folks. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, like I say, I, we'll see. This, uh, we got a few months, you know, yeah. we'll see how it, how it yeah. goes. You yeah. know, yeah. it's going to be fascinating. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely historic, mm. <laughs> whichever way it goes. It's, it's, Trump, it's not impossible that Bernie might be the next president. Well... I think that ship has sailed. Well, it's a little slim, but you never yeah. can tell. <laughs> yeah. Really, honestly, uh, I've given up trying to predict the future. Things are just too fucking weird now. Yes. I Who could have predicted Trump? Um, I think it was pretty clear that he was going to do very well. Well, no, no, that he was even going to run. Well, he, he came out of nowhere. No, this is the media. This is bullshit. This guy had reality television shows for nine oh, I know. years. He's been around, and I know, but the, the idea of a presidential run was not something that he'd been. Where do you get that information from? Where do you get that information from, Harry? What's your source for that? Uh, my source is just the shit I read on the internet. Okay. Well, my view is that your source is wrong here. Okay. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I, I don't really give a shit, actually. It doesn't make – I mean, the facts of that case are actually not even relevant. Well, you know, actually, I don't give a shit which one of them is – I mean, really, if Trump gets elected, then I'll deal with that. Yes. You know? I may have to leave the country to deal with it, but oh my God. we'll see, you know. Yes. I don't know. Hong Kong and Singapore are possibilities, or maybe the Netherlands or someplace, you know. Who knows? Well, you'd have to, you'd have to leave the 100-mile you know, radius that you've lived for your entire life, aside from a stint in Vietnam. Oh, so. I, it doesn't bother me. Let's see. I could do that easy. Let's see. I mean, yeah, that's the thing. is It's clear that it doesn't really make any difference where you are because you can do whatever. At least anything I want to do, the I've got enough on sitting on my desktop. Mm. Although it would be nice to – well, no matter where you are, you can always travel. You can always go to a seminar or a conference or something somewhere. You know, it's no big deal. Mm. But I'd like to use Brexit as an example for folks listening in. But I guess the general theme that we're having here is irrespective of what insanity occurs – your personal survival and your personal environment is fundamentally, unfortunately, your responsibility. And within this, <laughs> yes, yeah, keeping the well, it only out. makes sense to, to to take that position. I would say yes. What other? I mean, to assume it's somebody else's responsibility. Well, there's certainly, been a lot of that kind of discussion, and this is where I think it all gets very curious. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, those. That's well, but see, that's that's serious malfunctioning language machine. Yeah. That that kind of a position can only be arrived at because you're fucking nuts. Hmm. Which tends not to be embraced by the people that are. No, no, nuts. they're not real happy to be told that they're no. you know, crazy. No. <laughs> oh well. Yeah. Well, that's part of the issue is how – well, that's why I think the real issue is children, not trying to change uh, brain-damaged language monkey adults. You well, know? that's on my list of topics. We'll get to that in a, in a minute or two. The final question associated with Brexit from, was from listener Connor Sites Bowen. Oh, I should also point out we have a Stone Ape Twitter mm -hmm. account. Oh, really? Specifically because Apple has designated that rather than investing in, internally within Apple and providing software – that aggregates and provides interesting podcast links to people, similar to what YouTube has been doing for the past 10 years, the answer for Apple is that every podcast should have a Twitter account. So they can do their social networking in exchange of information through Twitter, 
rather than Apple owning any of the smarts to find other podcasts with people. Uh, Stonate Cast, all one word, is the Twitter handle. Folks want to tweet it, provide information, discuss potential topics. Stonate Cast. Stonate Cast. Someone to retaken Stonate on Twitter. So Stonate Cast. All and one who word. are they? Have you seen what they have uh, or what they're doing? They're not worth even mildly promoting. I wouldn't even advise our listeners <laughs> to go and look at what's going on on Stone Ape on Twitter. Okay. But my view is that this is a, a, a recommendation from on high, and this is what we're going to be using going forward. Anyway, Connor Sites Bowen, returning to him, asked a question associated with how... Wait, wait let me ask a question. <clears throat> Just, I'm sorry, but, but about Twitter, because I've had a Twitter account since the beginning, but I've never actually <laughs> used it. I think you have one tweet. Well, whatever, yeah. Yes. Yeah, I think I said I'm tweeting something yes. or other. <laughs> but the question is, it's still like a limited, you can only do 140 characters, yep. right? That's it? That's still the same? Yep. Okay. You can include links with images and whole news articles if you want, but the, the means of getting information out there is exactly the same. Okay. Yeah. Connor Sites Bowen asked via Twitter what the situation with Brexit will do associated with my potential move to the UK. Could make it happen a lot faster, kind of sites Bowen. Not really clear what it'll do currently, but the currency, which has been over-inflated for many, many years, is now coming down to a slightly more reasonable level. So, who knows? Who knows? It could happen faster than I think. Uh, could be five years, could be ten years. Really, in meaningful terms, doesn't affect any aspect of my potential. God, ten years from now is... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Well, it's good to think about it, mm. <laughs> but it's also good to remember it's fantasy land. Well, I mean, it's it's reasonable to start planning for the future in some. Yeah, regard. yeah, it's good yeah. to think about it. Yeah, you know, as long as you know, you know, it's in fantasy land. Mm. It's, you can explore lots of fantasies, and as you get closer to that time, some of those might uh, show some hope. You know. Yeah. Yes. So that's the whole Brexit discussion. I've lamented occasionally the police helicopter that flies overhead almost continuously. For the past few weeks, it has been a daily occurrence, typically when I'm watering my garden, that the police helicopter has flown overhead. And yesterday, I decided to actually video it and put it up on YouTube, because they fly very close to my house, and it gets kind of boring. They're looking out for you, man. That apparently must be the case. So anyway, having posted this up, our listener Dave Falkenberg pointed out that there was actually a murder in my neighbourhood yesterday and the police were looking for some murderer with a gun running through the neighbourhood. <laughs> to which point I made to him, what happens in other cities here is the police actually go from door to door indicating to the neighbourhood that there's a man with a gun. Yeah, no, they just fly a helicopter overhead. <laughs> yeah, but the most disturbing thing is this helicopter was so close to me I could see the people sitting in it. So there's a man with a gun sufficiently close to me that I could see the police that are watching him in bodily form, which means he's probably within 300 feet of me, 300 to 500 feet of me. Yeah. The police aren't telling me that there's a man with a gun in my vicinity. So quite frankly, I think the police are not actually doing their jobs associated with Yeah, it would be nice to let everybody know. Yeah, because <laughs> to stay my inside, maybe. Is that my security, looking up and seeing the police flying overhead is interesting. But if they're doing it with a frequency that there are people that are going to harm me in my vicinity, not informing me of this is almost like they're assisting the people that want to harm me. Because they're certainly not helping me in this circumstance. Yeah, that's right. I feel yeah. very strongly about this. Dave Falkenberg wrote some things about how, well, they were clearly trying to capture this individual, what have you. 
if yeah. you inform people in a community that they are constantly having armed people running through, their behavior is going to change. <laughs> well, that would might stir up more than they want to stir oh, up. But, well, <laughs> well, here's where it gets interesting, right? <laughs> I mean, you and I and some potato chips, which are clearly very important Sorry. in this discussion. Sorry. You and I can have this discussion because I still live. But if there are guys coming through continuously with guns that have just killed people and all this kind of shit, I'd like to have this information so I can have the option of changing my behaviours associated with, you know, these circumstances. I, I, you must also have considered changing your location. Uh, Without question. More and more, the, I would assume. <laughs> my perspective is that if my community actively knows that this is the case, then we can enact things, particularly on a city level, maybe even a county level, where this is actually talked about, as opposed to it just being police helicopters flying overhead continuously. But that dialogue requires information from the police, which they don't give. So we have yep. a circumstance now where the police... They don't have a turn. crime log that they publish? No, not anymore. Because here's oh. where it gets interesting. The police have <laughs> They stopped thing. publishing No, that. no, here's the thing. Interesting. Some more elderly neighbours in my community refer to it as the San Jose Excuse Department, and I'm sympathetic to that as well. Through my professional career, over more than 20 years, I have always worked in environments where we haven't had enough people. We've been understaffed. This is, and you do too. This is your life at the newspaper. This is the new normal. This is the way things are. So when groups of people, particularly public servants, come and say, we don't have enough people, that's why we can't do our jobs, I reflect on the fact that I've never had enough people. I've been able to do my job. I've been able to do my job to a certain standard. Sure, things have been fucked up because we haven't enough people, but we certainly haven't dropped the ball in so many different ways. Yeah. And the yeah. police argument is, oh, we live in a day, you know, we, our job is really dangerous. In the past six years, I have lost three colleagues dead, unnatural causes, based on the circumstance associated with not having enough people. This actually has a demonstrable impact, even in civil society, as well as just these militarized police things. So, I mean, my perspective <laughs> is that this is a community problem. Yeah. That is dealt with by everyone that enters into some aspect of this world. And rather than just say, oh, we don't have enough people, we can't do our job, so we're going to have to fly helicopters overhead and, you know, all this kind of nonsense. I mean, rather than this excuse culture, we need to change our dialogue with the police, which is what I'm going to put forward. We need to change our dialogue. Our community as a community here. Is I there represent. a community there? Well, this is where it gets interesting. This is the whole discussion associated. My sense is what there is probably is a bunch of fucking language monkeys. Well, that's always very good. <laughs> Let's just say there are a group of people here, of which I am an instigator, troublemaker, perhaps a lone troublemaker. Yeah, yeah, you, you might, yeah. But that's a heavy burden. If you want to take that responsibility, you can probably build something. Out of that, yeah. but that good luck with that. Yeah, the better option is just getting the fuck out. Yeah, the <laughs> well, they're both valid them. choices. That's the thing is whether or not. I mean, but to do that, like I say, I, that, that's not an unworthy challenge, really. But true, you but, know. Uh, but it, but it, that's that's something you need to devote yourself to. It would seem to me, well, if you're actually. I mean, my gonna, perspective is it's interesting when you talk about is this a community and can you use the word we and all this kind of thing because my great frustration is. It's not really any of these things. There are a group of people that are even worse than language monkeys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. To be a language monkey... No, they're, just, they're all language monkeys. It's just what kind of language monkey are Some they? are more 
pathological. Some of them are more, yeah, yeah, really, yes, much more. Actually, yeah, a lot of them are, aren't yeah. all that bad. Some of them are kind of cute and even friendly, you know? I guess the mentality of living in a poor community, thus putting up with all this bullshit because that's just the way things have to be, unfortunately, uh, is far too much the philosophy of this particular area. Well, that's the... It's, it's a whole generation of American citizens, especially the black community, is so fucked up with with so much so much just bullshit, <laughs> you know that they that they have to deal with growing up as kids, mm. you know that in order to survive. Well, you know, just like this this fucking country is in serious shape, man. Yes, <laughs> yes. Anyway. Scary stuff. So that's the police helicopter. If I remain alive through the next few months, (laughs) it will be a very interesting time. (sighs) That's right. Well, maybe, you know, if you're lucky, you know, maybe someone will break into your house on a Friday night when we're doing the the podcast and we can interview them. Exactly. Yeah. Well, interview them while they steal the computer. Well, we, they can deal with that afterwards, you know. Yeah. We'll give you this computer if you allow us yeah, to interview. Yeah. Well, whatever. You know, we'll f- f- you'll, you'll have to negotiate that. I guess I guess the general problem is that they all tend to be armed, and that just seems to be, like, the defining factor. So negotiating... Yeah, but they don't get a person. chance to be live on the air, you know. I mean, well, at least you can tell them that. <laughs> Until the TV cameras turn up. Yeah. <laughs> yes, this is a forum that will take roughly two days to edit and produce, but if you're willing to sit around through podcast <laughs> editing, it's going to be out for everyone. Yes, I like that idea, Heron. I think it's well thought out. Well, there may be other possibilities. The last recording, maybe the recording before, I made reference to children of, of men. Yeah. And in particular, the notion that people in my immediate circumstances, including really my own experience, have had real difficulty with regards to having children. And... It's become a kind of phenomena which almost seems like a curse in my own personal life. Like people I know very closely are either, you know, losing children or just not having children or a variety of difficulties, yeah. which I think is increasingly not necessarily having an emotional impact on me, but just it's just draining. And it just makes really? me think that something is really like a mess, like something has just really gone fundamentally wrong with the culture and the society. Because people are not having kids? Yes. Basically. That means something is wrong. I'm thinking, geez, people are wising up. Well, I mean, what I'm saying here specifically is when people are trying to have kids, they're either losing kids through the process or just things are going wrong. Yeah. And I came to, this has just been kind of an ongoing thread in my life. There have been a few things that have come up recently that have just really irritated me. But coming to this recently has been associated with the cat trap phenomenon. I'll explain a little more. I bought the better cat trap under our listener's advice. I put the cat trap out and I caught a kitten. The kitten's name, we named it Sunny. I brought it inside. It didn't want to have anything to do with me. We've had it, we had it for about a week and I tried to civilize it through this period of time. I tried to feed it. I got it cat toys, did a variety of things and just thought this cat, for whatever reason, just doesn't want to interact. No, that's. Yeah. <laughs> you, yeah. You offered a situation that could step into if it wanted to. Certainly. And what's interesting here is that the first cat that we owned, a cat called Luna, I was able to raise her from a feral kitten of about four weeks. But it was mm-hmm. a it was a full-time job. It was a period of time where I wasn't working. I just invested my time in this little hissing yeah. claw ball yeah. and progressively got her to the point where she would purr and interact with me and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. 
Yeah. Sunny is not this case. Yeah. So I've been doing work currently. My, my job covers a wide variety of different bits of content. Very rarely do I have to interact with children's content, thankfully, because I find children's content somewhat disturbing on a number of levels. But for the past few days, I've been having to interact with children's content of age about two to three, like really young, mm-hmm. just learning language kind of toddler content. Yeah. Which I've had to do cyclically. This is stuff, what, videos, learning videos, yeah, or learning things videos that are available on, uh, on yeah, Netflix. Okay. Yeah. Right. So my job typically relates, well, it doesn't always relate to this, but a portion of my job is something is going wrong with this particular video and audio, try to work out what's going wrong and fix it. Oh, okay. Because yeah. we change our formats. We do a bunch of things which basically make this more prevalent. Yeah, okay. So, okay. so there's a problem with the video. You it, get to exactly. fix it. Yeah. <laughs> so about four hours into cyclically watching this children's content, which is very like relating to babies and nap time and feeding and words and all this kind of stuff, I just thought, I've got to go out and spend time with this kitten and actually work out what's going on with this kitten. Because it's not really getting to the stage where the, the aim with the kitten was to robustify it, feed it sufficiently take it to the vet, have it fixed, and then re-release it into the environment. But it wasn't looking like any of this was going to happen. Although he did start using a litter, which is productive in some regard. Went out, decided I wasn't going to back away from the cat. I was just going to stand my ground and, you know, talk to it and things like that. It got sufficiently skitzed out that it actually ran up a wall and kind of hung on a window. <laughs> At which point I realised that it had actually been really savagely abused. I'd never seen its seen its tail. It had always tucked its tail under. Its tail yeah. had been hacked at. It just wasn't yeah. a happy yeah. animal. It this is a brain-damaged cat. Well, it clearly had some really <laughs> bad experiences associated yeah. with... People. People. <laughs> yeah. And I was, I felt. And you ain't adding anything to exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> and I felt a huge sense of guilt at this point, and I just decided I'm letting this cat out. I'll feed the cat. The cat yeah, leave some food out for it and some water. Yeah, and- I'm not going to be able to improve this cat's life very much. The best I could do is not interact with it heavily. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and leave it some food and water exactly. just for the okay. general neighborhood. Exactly. That's always a nice yeah. thing to do. <laughs> A little earlier, prior to coming to this realisation, I tried to catch its larger, smarter friend, who obviously is going nowhere near the traps, and I caught a baby possum, who <laughs> was probably, I don't know how old possums are, but it was a small possum. Yeah. And watching the footage, it had been captured for about two hours. Mother, Its mother came back periodically to try and rescue it, and then went off and came back and tried to rescue it and went off. Yeah. And I opened up the trap and let the possum out, and I'm assuming the possum is now back with its mother. Yeah. But I started to realise that actually... I have no business interacting with this environment. Do you have squirrels there? No. Yeah, see, I was surprised to see squirrels in the trees behind my house. Mm. I've only seen them once, mm. you know, but still, that was quite a surprise. Yes. So, yeah, I guess I came to the realization that my perspective, which may also be applicable associated with this police helicopter business as well, but my injection of my perspective in an attempt to help Oftentimes can actually yeah. do way more unintentional damage, and that sometimes it's actually better. Yeah, that's a good insight. Congratulations. Mm. Not yeah. to be interacting in these circumstances. Yeah, to do no wrong. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, that's, that, Hippocrates, he knew what he was talking about. Yes. Yeah. Do um, no harm, actually. Yes. Yeah. Well, anyway, within these environments, I just 
realize that I need to take a step back. And <laughs> well, well, you have to look at, yeah, how? Like, yeah. yeah, you have to take every case. You know, sometimes it is appropriate to, yeah. to interfere or to get involved, but you have to watch. I think the whole thing is about paying attention to what's actually going on. Yes. <laughs> you know, before you get involved. <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, certainly it's interesting, actually, because over the past few weeks I've changed various medications. And the migraines haven't departed. In fact, in some cases they've gotten worse, but the medications have changed sufficiently where this hasn't really been an issue. What's particularly curious is the medical concerns that, you know, my current practitioner gives to me are in no way being alleviated by the medication. And I'm starting to wonder really whether this is just like not only the new normal, but the deteriorating normal that I'm just going to have to get used to. The opiates work really well. They don't work really well, but they at least stop the pain and they stop the focus. How, on the how pain. long has this been going on? Six months, and the deterioration. And this been, is out of nowhere. This has been pretty rapid. So I'm meeting with a neurologist. I'm meeting with various specialists to try and come to this. I have a friend who, after nine years of deteriorating migraines, was recently diagnosed with something that could actually be treated properly. Ah. But my perspective is that this is an area, and I have a very utilitarian view associated with the medical profession and i don't particularly have a positive view associated with the medical yeah. profession yeah. and the stuff that i'm hearing doesn't pass basic yeah like a priori discussion points. yeah they don't they really just don't exactly. have a clue what yeah. the fuck is but going not on only do they not have a clue they don't understand strategy yeah like the whole way that medicine is taught seems to avoid any notion of strategy where I'm having to provide the strategic elements. Yeah, you may have to do it all yourself. It seems to be the case. <laughs> yeah. But through all of this, you know, the, the constants in this equation that I'm trying to change over time are, you know, maintaining as constants. Yeah, and how often are you having these things? It's a daily thing. For, and for what percentage of the day? Um, sufficient where it causes me pain about 30% of the day um, under so heavy how medication. How the hell can you even function? I'm, I just, I'm very easygoing, Heron. It's, it becomes ridiculous. I don't know what I'd do if I had to deal with shit like yeah. that. I don't know if I could handle it. Well, I, it's amazing that I keep my cool to, to the extent that I do. In fact, I start to realize that really I'm aggressive and angry such a small portion of this time that perhaps I should be more aggressive and angry. <laughs> Maybe that's it. You're just yeah. not pissed off enough. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, my real concern is actually, so in the past week I've taken opiates three times, which from my perspective is too many. Um, and I really want to remove myself from opiate medications. Mm. Yeah. What are you taking specifically? Uh, I, I mentioned it to a physician that listens to my podcast previously. I don't have it in front of me. Oh, well, whatever. Anyway. Yeah. It's, it's not Oxycontin, but it's like Oxycontin. I'm pretty, I don't, I don't have pain very often, mm. and I, and I'm re well. We've talked about it before. I have really high tolerance for pain. Mm. So by the time to get me to the emergency room, <laughs> you know, it, it takes a lot. I mean, irrespective of tolerance, the things like crying and things like that, which I have no control over. I mean, that's what can even irrespective of my perception of tolerance in these circumstances, my body breaks down before I get to that point. So, oh yeah, well, see, I. I know I'm at the end when I start moaning. Mm. <laughs> For mm. me, moaning says, okay, mm. we're, we're getting real close to time to go to the, <laughs> the yeah. emergency room. Mm. <laughs> it's only been, like I said, I've been there three times in the last, you know, in my lifetime, I guess, mm. maybe four times, you know. Mm. 
But uh, yeah, when I get to moaning, <laughs> then it's it's okay. Actually, I, now I'm trying to get there before that because I'm trying to see whether or not I can predict whether it's going to get to the. Because by the time it gets to moaning, I really can't drive at that point. Yes. But if I go before it gets to moaning, then I can sort of sit it out in the parking lot at the emergency room to see if I need to go in. I did that once, and I did have to go in. Yeah, if you're at the if you're at the parking lot contemplating, my perspective is you probably should go in. Well, the thing is with what I've got is when it passes, it passes. Mm. And it's over. It's it's an attack that is of a limited time, unless of course it it's unlimited. But it's always, you know, um, had a very abrupt end. All of a sudden, boom! I'm okay. Hmm. And um, yeah, it's it, and that's always happened while I was in the emergency room. In the past week, well, really a week ago, I spent time with a group of people that I would see about once every eighteen months or so. This is the local model rail community folks who are listening in, many of whom actually listen to this particular recording. And it struck me as really quite curious that these are a friendship group of mine that I see so infrequently. And then it kind of digressed into just a general thinking. I mean, you have John Jeffries, right? He's your, yeah, he's your uh, friend. Yeah, he, he's the one guy I've known for more than anybody in my whole life. Yeah. yeah. If you actually get to you, in the past six months, you were talking about getting together for a day. Did you get together with him? Mm, yeah, we did. Um, yeah, maybe four months ago, I think. Okay. Yeah. It wasn't as good as I would had hoped to be. There was some. There's always anticipation. Yeah, something something wasn't quite right. I mean, it was good and all that, but I'm not was quite it sure. What was it? No, I I don't know. I've thought about it, and I'm and I and I just don't know what it, what it was. Mm. I don't know. Mm. I don't know if he felt that. I I I didn't talk about it. Mm. We haven't talked about it. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, even though there was a lot of annoyance associated with the time that I spent with my friend Alex in um, Bradford, Yorkshire, we get together infrequently, but we still have fun, yeah. irrespective of whatever else is going on and with this thing, there was a bunch of additional stuff that was going on. But yeah, just the ability to interact and chat with him, even for an hour or so, is uh, is kind of recharging and reawakening. I guess what I find with the other people that I know through the circumstances, and many of them I do consider friends, is just the nature of, like, has it been 18 months already? We really haven't seen each other other than the past 18 months. And it's always around specific events associated with model rail radio. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a specific kind of relationship. Certainly. Yeah, yeah that's certainly. fine. Yeah. But I guess I wonder, particularly as I look to increase my podcast and just, you know, redo certain aspects, and obviously now I'm tweeting on everything to fill in with Apple's new means of communicating and improving podcast statistics. I start to wonder like what this podcasting thing really is. Cause I talk to listeners periodically. I meet listeners periodically as well. And I don't really get a sense that the, it's not a direction necessarily, but it's just a group of like-minded folk. I'll talk a little bit about Joe, the drummer here, because he was a particularly interesting example of a listener where I realized that by creating this form where in fact, providing content for people who have a unique perspective on the world, which when they're actually presented in front of you, it's not that it's particularly surreal, but you just think, Jesus, this is our listener. You know, yeah. <laughs> these are the ideas that we're putting out. These are the ideas that are resonating with these individuals. And these are the people that are talking, coming out of the woodwork, to yeah. introduce themselves. Yeah. You, know, you, do list, you do less of this than I do. Um, yeah, I, I don't have much contact. I, yeah. I, I intend to change that over the next 
year or so. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, I, I really miss that. You know, that, that I was happiest back when I was, when Skypecast mm. was there. But you didn't meet those people physically, did no, you? No, no, but no, but I met them. Yeah, well, I guess in audio, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I met new people every day. People yeah. who were just people who thought it was an interesting idea and wanted to talk about it. You know, from complete idiots to absolute fucking geniuses, you know. Yes. And new people every day. It was just astonishing. <laughs> I guess as this thing digresses and Skype eventually falls off and we have to find new technology, I'm finding this with microphones currently, that it's really difficult to find entry-level or even, you know, $200 expensive microphones well, you that know, actually do their job. You know, Facebook could really just step right in here and solve this whole uh, thing. If they were interested in solving I don't this know problem. why they're not. They could charge for it. Mm. Oh, God, I don't understand it. I mean, now that they're allowing people to do live video, mm. so... Uh, but I don't think you can – it's not interactive. Yeah, it's not really community discussion. Yeah, no, it's just broadcasting a video. But you got – you still have text input. Um, yeah, I feel a bit the same way about this podcasting problem. I mean, sure, I might chastise Apple that they haven't yet developed the software, but this is really software that I myself could develop too, associated yeah, yeah, with just collating. It, well, it, it will happen at some yeah. – you know, I mean, obvi- it's just obvious. You know, the ability of, of, to interact live with the world – Vid- with video and audio, duh. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's hardly groundbreaking. Yeah, but no one, as you know, no one seriously wants to do it because the infrastructure part of this is actually a, a meaningful problem that needs to be solved. I mean, just connecting two people via video is one thing, but doing it in an organized fashion with similar interface to Skype. Is well, quite- but it's been done a number of times and it worked, you know, a lot of people have done it, you know? So, I mean, Toshu is sort of crappy, but, but it most works. Most of it's behind proprietary walls, right? Well, when, yeah, but the, that's not the point. The point is it's doable. Well, it's doable for, you know, six people working together for three years versus an open source solution, which should be very doable. I mean, here I'd like to see the open source community. Well, listen, TeamSpeak works like a charm. That's fucking beautiful. Is that open source? No, but but the point is it works. How much do you pay for TeamSpeak? Nothing. It's free if you're not, uh, you know, if you're not, you know, in certain categories. Okay. Uh, if you want, uh, up to like 32 users is free, I think. Mm. After that, you got to start paying. But it's relatively cheap. But it's a beautiful, simple little system. It just works wonderfully. And your TeamSpeak recorder, what what software do you have connecting to TeamSpeak? Well, no, it's, it's got it built into it. Oh, you it's got a recorder built into it? Yeah, yeah. You don't need to do anything. It just saves AIFF files. Jesus. Why aren't we using TeamSpeak up until now? Well, we should be. We could. Maybe it's easy to use. It works great. <laughs> yeah. I've actually listened to TeamSpeak casts previously. I mean, they do have that kind of... Computer game, but that's to do with the participants. That's not actually to do. Well, with yeah, the yeah, that's technology. what they make their. That's where they make most of their money. Yeah. It's uh, the gamers uh, for teams on, on in-game communication yeah. are talking to each other while they're in their game, and that's what most of the stuff on Teamspeak is. But it, the software is great, and you can use it for anything. <laughs> mm. Maybe I should invest some time in Teamspeak here. Well, take a look at it. It's it's great software. Yeah. First time I ran into it was um, I think with the Zeitgeist. Yep. Yeah, yep, they picked it. Before that, there was something else, Ventrilo or something yeah. like, uh, and that worked fine too. Are the Zeitgeist people still out there? Are they still doing stuff? I guess so. Yeah, I still get emails every once in a while. Mm. Uh, there, there's yeah. I, I'm not quite sure what's you know. I haven't paid any attention to it for ages, but. 
I think it's I think it's it's got to dry up at some point. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I had an interesting experience a couple of weeks ago, which is actually probably going to turn into a recording in Lorenzo Haggerty's psychedelic salon. But um, I was at one of my wife's quilting functions. It was a 60th birthday party of one of the quilters. And the quilter's daughter was there, and my wife struck up a conversation with the quilter's daughter. It turns out she is a medicine woman in a Native American church in Berkeley. <laughs> and Interesting. They take a variety of different kinds of cactuses, and ah. her specialty is like various like herbs and special kinds of tobaccos yeah. and things like that. Oh. You know, it's a fascinating conversation, I think, yeah. to put this out in the psychedelic salon because, you know. Yeah, that'd be interesting. interesting. Yeah, so yeah I'd like record, to talk to her. <laughs> yeah, we, we were supposed to record yesterday, but unfortunately work got in the way. So we'll be recording next week sometime. But it did strike me in these kind of social circumstances that you do occasionally meet really very interesting people. Yeah. Well, that's why I still go to these meetup meet things, yeah. you know. Yeah. Every once in a while, you never know what you're going to run into, yeah. you know. Yeah, I'm thinking I'm going to have to change my name on Meetup. I rejoined Meetup briefly, and they immediately said, why don't you pay us $35 now? And <laughs> Just I, to join? Because I've run successful Meetups previously, and I wanted $350 you know, every other month from me through that process. <laughs> so I've been tagged in Meetup, which means every time I sign up to Meetup, I get this bullshit, now it's time to pay your dues. Oh, I mean, oh and you can't proceed until you give exactly. them some money? Fuckers. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm serious. I mean, it's an amazing opportunity to gather people together, but yeah. I'm going to have to create a pseudonym or something for Meetup. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's unfortunate. Yeah, Meetup, well, it's a, it was a great idea, I think. Well, I think again, this is all new. It works perfectly. I mean, if you don't host a Meetup that gets successful relatively quickly, if you're just yeah. attending Meetups, then it's fine. Yeah, 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 that's all I have used it for so far, although, I'm like I say, my sense is to create a meetup but uh, yeah i'm not quite sure yet just how to market that <laughs> it's know? funny actually i don't think meetup has ever meetup is one of the few tech companies that has never contacted me about me working for them one of the interesting companies that did contact me was a company called doordash that delivers food i had a really bad experience with doordash i used them once it was okay i used them second time it was absolutely horrible and doordash employees started prank calling me <laughs> from this experience that's how bad it was so when the cto of doordash contacted me i said i would not work for your fucking company ever here's the correspondence indicating your employees prank calling me you need to get your company in order you know what he did two weeks after communicating with me he refunded the entire order that caused this problem six months after the fact he sent back the 65 dollars or whatever which was the doordash charge for this thing well, good for him. Good All for right. me. Yeah. Good for well, me. Well, good for him. He did it. Well, yes, but if I so rarely get these kind of benefits from being the iOS guy. We want you to work for an amazing startup. This yeah. is one of the few examples of when being contacted yeah. by these annoying fuckers actually gets me a little something back. I'm looking forward to when Meetup contacts me. It was certainly fun when LinkedIn contacted me. But when Meetup contacts me, I will let them have it that their system <laughs> is so broken. Meetup? Yes. yes. Yeah, well, I've never started a meetup, yes, so you know, I, I haven't run into that. <laughs> I'm aware of the fact that, I mean, that, well, yeah, that they want money. Yep. Well, I guess the first meetup is on them, but then, well, I don't know. I haven't really looked at it yet. Well, so. heaven forbid you have a successful meetup, and then you're basically, you know, beholden to paying them 
good chunks of money on a regular what basis. What does uh, successful mean? 90 I mean, people, 60 people. Oh, yeah, that would be huge. Yeah. Yep. No, I, I expect between five and ten. Well, uh, who knows? They might hit you up for ten bucks every other week. But from yeah. my well, we'll perspective, see. Yeah, yeah. from my perspective, Meetup lost me immediately. And the the cute thing was, and I did pay. I mean, this is probably part of the problem. I paid initially. I should never have paid them the money. Yeah. While I was doing Conscious in the Cloud, I paid them, I think, up to $350 every two months, which I should never have done because now they know yeah. me to be stupid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they got your number Damn now. Damn skippy. They got my email address. Yeah. <laughs> no. Well, it would be an extraordinarily powerful piece of technology if they weren't trying to get money out of people and then force them people to pay. Well, yeah, again, see, this is just all part of capitalism. This is the, yeah. the way the planet works right yeah. now. You know, everything's got to make money. Yeah. That's the only reason it has any value at all. Clearly, clearly. But but again, not everybody buys that. You know, there are people who think some things are worth doing just because they need to be done. Hmm. I must confess, Heron, I'm going to say this out loud. Our listeners may chastise me for this. Uh-oh. The, I don't know, I guess you've always had these general narratives associated, and you've done it here associated with the Muslim people and various other things. But... I just can't see you as a Clinton voter. Well, I'm not. It's just I, I'm see me as an anti-Trump voter. Mm. But there are so many other folk that you could vote for rather than. Well, Clinton. yeah, but that would be the thing. The main thing is to make sure that Trump isn't elected. Yeah, so, I think. Yeah, I could vote for someone. Some other. This yeah, is the, this is the Australian Trump. paradox. We're basically yeah. if you if you listed the policies that you hated so much yeah. about Trump. Yeah. You would probably find that Clinton has a majority of them. Yeah, I, I, that may very well be true. I'm just going on, you know, what information I've got, which is limited. And I haven't put that much time into uh, trying to figure it out, you know. And if it's real clear that that uh, she's going to win or someone else, or that at least he's not going to win, then I probably won't vote for her. Because yeah, I'm not voting thing. for her, you know. I'm voting against him. Yeah. I mean – Really? I mean, who there – I mean, there may be some good people. I mean, I'm sure there are some people who aren't just completely self-serving, lying, evil assholes mm. in government. <laughs> but I would assume that accounts for at least 50 percent of them. You know, it's just that they're not in a position to do it as well as she is. You know, they're in some state legislature somewhere where they can, can't can do quite so much damage. Yeah, yeah. Well, what I will do is just forget that we had this conversation and move on. Well, I may not, like I say, I may not even vote. If it's, if it's really clear, I mean, it, you know, that God, November, that, mm. that's... I haven't read on. the, um, I haven't, I've been trying to read the ballot initiative associated with the cannabis legalization. Yeah. The stuff that I've seen through the media so far actually seems very interesting and thankfully mm-hmm. still has the growing provision. Which, that you can grow your own uh, exactly eight square feet or something of six plants. Yes. Six plants. Oh, yeah. okay, yeah. Oh, you did read it. Well, yeah. no, I heard that I read that in the media. I haven't actually read the legislation. But I don't really care what it is. You know, I mean, the details of it. What those can always be altered later. But getting making it legal and available, I think, is important under almost any circumstances. Very and then we can change the rest of the details later if we need to. Yes. Yes. Well, it'd be interesting to see. It was, everyone was saying it was going to pass last time, and it didn't. Yes, those black Catholics, Dan. Um, you know, so, yes. uh, and everyone's saying now, I mean, though I haven't read that much, but there have been some 
commentaries on it that it looks like it's headed for passing. But I think we'll now see. there have been actual other states that have shown it's not complete lawlessness and children pulling down lampposts <laughs> and setting cars on fire. You know, those kind of... And actually getting really strong beneficial indicators associated with, um, you know, taxes. Yeah, revenues. Yeah. <laughs> Hell Real yes. Stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I'm quietly yeah, hoping. New guns and tanks for the police department. Damn skippy. Body armor. Yeah. <laughs> Those Clinton forces. Yeah. So I guess who knows what will happen, but my hope is that things will move in the right direction, at least with regards to that thing. Well, it'll get me out to vote for the fourth time in my life. Yes. You know? Um, yeah. I'm, I'm so far, I'm one for three. Mm. <laughs> so this will make me up two and four if I, if I come out. Like I say the rest of the shit, I don't really – I mean, I'll look around through the ballot and see what else there is to vote on. I'll probably, I may very well vote for a few things if I see anything mm. that strikes my fancy. But, uh, yeah, the only reason I'm going to the polls is, is for that. That's it. Mm. And to stop Trump. But like I say, I don't think that's going to be – I think Trump's over actually. Well, we'll because see. the media's told you this. Well, I, I just don't think. I, well, I guess I guess it's that I just don't think America is really that stupid. I think they've gotten carried away. There's a few. Then there are there are a lot of people that are that stupid. But I think when it gets right down to it, the status quo, more or less evil and fucked up as it is, is better than fucking Trump's insanity. Mm. And we'll see. I mean, that, that's we'll see if that's how people think. You know. Mm. Well, yeah, it's, it's hard to imagine, though. The Republican Party, the right wing of America, is pretty fucking unconscious, man. Well, so. the problem is that the Democratic Party for the past 20 years has been running after them so quickly in terms of social, in terms of a wide variety of perspectives that I don't think the Democrats hold any moral cards. Well, I don't know. Um, I mean, you need to listen to what the Democrats say as well and compare and contrast. No, they're, no, they're, they're, they're just... They're just as full. It's just that, like I say, I, I have a, I, I've just got a thing about the about. Con, I'm not a conservative, you know. Mm. I'm not. I'm not a capitalist. I'm not a Christian. I'm not any of those things. Mm. I'm against all of those things, actually. Mm. And that's pretty much Republican Party. You need to spend quality time with Democrats. You'd find them exactly. No, the same. I do. I no. I I'm sure that they are. That mm. they're they're not that different. You know. My, yeah, my perspective just, as an outsider, and I tell this to people who ask me is the Republicans say something and believe in it. The Democrats say something and do something completely different. I mean, that's, to me, the distinction. The I don't Republicans- see that at all. I mean, that, that's, that's a very clever thing to say, Tom. And I'm sure you can find cases where that's uh, true. I, 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 don't find think it hard, I find it hard to find Democrats that actively stand up for the social ideals they talk about. Obama is a classic example of this, but there are tens of thousands of Democrats that are basically voting the Republican line time after time after time. The party is, there's no moral authority with Democrats. They're just a group of schmucks that like to convince a small portion of the population that they have a moral authority. And at the end of the day, we're still bombing Syria. We're still under a Democratic president. You know, we're passing health care that was originally created by John McCain in the 1980s. Couldn't get the movement under the Republicans, but when the Democrats in power, let's just raise this John McCain legislation again. It's so paper thin. I mean, my perspective is the political compass, perfectly neutral. So, so, so blah, blah, blah. So what 
is are you going to do about that? I mean, so yes, that I'm not going to quarrel with any of mm. that analysis. Mm-hmm. So what is our stance? What do our, we do? What our stance is is that we do what we're doing currently. We talk to another generation. We talk to a group of people, and we say rather than remaining silent and just voting for Hillary Clinton. Let's actively have a discussion. Let's have a popular discussion. Let's even create a podcast. Why even make it about Clinton? It's not about Clinton. It's about the fucking system. Well, some of us are choosing to say in this. She's just one example. Let's move on from this, Heron. I'm not voting for her. So so who are you going to vote for? Let's have a discussion. Vote the system. The systemic problem is the system. Yeah, right. Okay, so, so you but, need to have a discussion where the majority that are not actively participating, or at least more than the current folk that are participating, where we have a discussion associated with why do we continue time and time again to reinvest in the broken system? Yeah, yeah. And let's Good get question. a discussion yeah. that permeates not just in podcast form, but permeates through into traditional media, even scary as well. That's got to come eventually, but that's what that's not going to happen for a well, while. Clearly, I'm if afraid. we're still voting for Clinton, it's not going to happen. But let's try to move beyond that. Well, to then you have to look next two decades or so. I think it can happen in six to eight years if we work this thing through. Uh, well, I, I think you may be right, but uh, my sense is I'm looking at 10 to 20 years. What it takes is a group of people to say enough. Let's not just parrot some story. Not here. just a group of people. We need a, a, a critical mass of well, people you to start, see through it. You start by bringing people together, allowing them to communicate, and then moving on from there. Yeah. These well, and that's what's happening now. There. Well, they're starting. Fledged. Yeah, it's now. It's this early in the game. Like I say, this is uh, that's exactly what's happening. Yeah. That's what the internet has facilitated. Now, if we can figure out a way to use it intelligently, we can fan those flames. <laughs> Podcast coming shortly, ladies and gentlemen. So, Heron, I'm in a hot podcasting room, which I did intentionally. I ran the air conditioner for an hour and a half prior to starting the recording, but the sun is still coming through and still heating this thing up. Do you have a topic or a passing thought that you want to mm, pass on to the No, I think I'm done. Very good, Heron. Enjoy that fresh wine. <laughs> I shall. Good night. Talk to you soon. Take care. <laughs>